Today we're going to continue in our sermon series entitled True Virtue, and, and we're going to be focusing on this this whole month long. And today we're going to be talking about integrity, church. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Today, uh, the majority of our texts are going to come from the book of Psalms and Church, today what I want to do is I want to share with you, I want to read with you some questions, some questions that that David asked the Lord. If you know anything about the book of Psalms, and there's so much good stuff in there, there's a lot of things where David's calling out to God and he's asking him things. And and today we're going to be looking in Psalm chapter 15 and some awesome questions that David asked the Lord. In Psalm chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, it says this, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who lends money to the poor without interest. And as we finish in verse 5, it says this, who does not accept the bribe against the innocent, who does these things will never be shaken. Church, I love the questions that he asks right there. You know, I read an article just a short time ago about a person who lost a wallet who had a very large amount of money in their wallet, and a good Samaritan found the wallet with the money in it and returned it to the person that lost it. And the author of this article was shocked. The person who got his money back, he was shocked. And the the people who were commenting on this article, they were also shocked. And I thought for a moment, you know, isn't it tragic, church? Isn't it tragic that we live in a world where people are absolutely blown away that they are shocked by integrity? The fact that someone had integrity than they are for the lack of integrity. We live in a world where people are not shocked at all about the lack of integrity. You know, every day you watch it on the news, don't you? You'll you'll see someone, maybe it's a celebrity, maybe it's a politician, maybe it's a world leader, anybody who fails. You see that constantly, don't you? And sometimes we even see it, church, in a friend or maybe even a family member who claims one thing and then they live their life another certain way. So today what I want us to look at I want us to look at walking with integrity. What does it mean to walk with integrity? First, I think we need to understand what integrity is. Integrity, the definition, according to Webster's Dictionary, says this, the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. So I gave you the definition of integrity right there, right? The quality of being honest, having the strong moral principles, and a moral uprightness. But now I want to share with you what integrity is not, because I believe a lot of people gets this mixed up. Integrity is not perfection, church. It's not being perfect, right? If you do something wrong, then people can't look at you and say, man, you got a lack of integrity. You know you're not perfect. And some people describe it as just being no good. To live with integrity doesn't mean, church, that you never make a mistake. If that were the case, then only Jesus Christ himself would have been the only person ever to live who had integrity. 
But what we are looking for in the life of integrity is what we might call an integrated life. I want you to get this this morning. An integrated life. The word integrity comes from the Latin word integer, which means a whole. It means as one, right? It means being complete. That's what that means. And so what does it look like in our life? What does a life look like that is integrated? Well, too often in our lives, you know what we do, church? We live compartmentally. You know what I'm saying? Follow along with me here. We live compartmentally. We have a, a, a compartment for your professional life. You know, for your professional life. We have a compartment for like our family life. We have a compartment for our social life. We have a compartment for our spiritual life. And then there's a compartment that you don't want nobody else to see. And that's your private life, right? So often our spiritual life you have to follow the bouncing ball on this one, okay? <laughs> follow, follow along. Often our spiritual life is separate from our professional life. You know why? Because a lot of people, I say they go to work and like, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to offend anybody in my professional life with my spiritual beliefs. But then we get to our family life, and in our family life, we keep our private life separate from that. Because we don't want our family to know about our private life, what we do in private. And then we go to our social life, the compartment of our social life, and it's really, really different from what we do in our spiritual life. Our spiritual life is profoundly different than our private life that nobody can see. So without knowing it, church, what we do is we live a very compartmental life. We have all these separate compartments, right? And when we live that compartmentalized life, church, it's going to mess with you. It is. See, the church, this church, is not what we would call, the life that we're called to live in the church is not compartmentalized. It can't be. See, integrity, when you think about the word integrity, right, integrity is more holistic, and it's easier said that, that to be connected to each other. Holistic, that's what it is. So that is a follower of Christ. As a believer in Jesus Christ, right, we should all, we should let him direct all of our lives. He is the one that should be directing our lives. And then we, our lives should not be broken into little compartments at all. It shouldn't be that way. There, you know, it's where, you know, I, I live my life this way in front of this group, but I live my life another way in front of this group. Now, when I worked at Coca-Cola, I, I had a person tell me one time, she said, I, I can't wait to see your wife at the Christmas party because I'm going to tell her how you act. I said, I promise you right now, I act the same way at home. <laughs> when I act here, I act the same way at home. You go ahead and tell her. She'll just look at you and say, so? And, and think about that, though. How many times do we live our lives different depending who we're with? How many times do we compartmentalize our lives? You know, we're different in front of one group as we are another. Instead, what we should be doing as believers in Jesus Christ, we want to glorify God in all that we do. All of our lives should be integrated. Jesus directs our actions, not only in our professional life, right? Jesus leads our relationships, church. And, and not only does he lead our relationships, he should also be leading our social life as well. And Jesus needs to be the core of our family life. Church, at your home, Jesus has to be the core of your life. Seriously, and think about us as a church family. <laughs> you know, out there on the sign, it says where it's all about Jesus. It has to be. 
It has to be all about him. He should be the center. He should be the core of our Christian family. But we are in a family, we should be in a family that is centered around Christ's teachings. And when you do that, church, this is the one that gets tough for some people to hear. Jesus also needs to drive your private life. Your private life. It's not something we're, that we're doing, right? It shouldn't be something that we're doing when nobody else sees us. A lot of times people live their private lives in a complete different manner than they live, live the rest of their lives. So instead of having a compartmentalized life, we want to live an integrated life, right? Centered on the goodness, on the power, on the glory, right? And on the truth of Jesus Christ. That's where it has to be. So what does integrity look like in our lives? Integrity is this, when your behavior matches your beliefs. That's what it is. When your behavior matches your beliefs. That's what integrity is. And so when you show on the outside is what you believe on the inside and vice versa. What, that's exactly how it works for us. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9 says this to us, church. It won't be on the screen. Just follow along with me. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Best way it is, my mom always told us, it will always come out in the wash. <laughs> you might not get found out today, but you will be found out later. Sometime it's going to come out. People will see it for what it is, right? So how many of you have done something wrong in your life? You've done something wrong, and you know that you did something wrong. Even as you're doing it, the Holy Spirit's going, don't do it, don't do it. You're going like, I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to, right? That's the way you're doing it. And finally, you do the thing that you shouldn't be doing. You knew it was wrong. And your greatest fear when it's all done was, <clears throat> I hope that nobody finds out. I hope nobody finds me out for what I've done. That's your greatest fear, right? right? That you're not walking securely, as it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. So if you're panicking and worrying who's going to find out about what it is that I've done, church, you're not walking securely. You're wondering, you're hoping, you're praying that you don't get caught. Church, I, want, I have never had a time where I did something right. I, I've done right things. I've done right things, so make sure you don't confuse what I'm saying. But I've never had a time in my life that I, I did something right, and then I sat around wondering and worrying, is someone going to find out that I did right? This has never happened, right? I hope no one knows that I was honoring God today. I'm worried about that. Please, nobody find out about that. See, when we do the wrong thing, it's stressful. It causes you anguish and angst, doesn't it? But, man, when we walk with integrity... When we walk with integrity, your private life is consistent with your public life, and you don't have to fret and worry. We could say it this way. It is who you are when nobody's looking. It's who you are when nobody else is around, when nobody else is looking. Integrity, though, is different than our reputation. I've heard people say, oh, that guy's got a really good reputation. The integrity is different than a reputation. See, because reputation is what other people think of you. You can live a nasty life, but as long as everybody else thinks you're doing okay and you got a great reputation, integrity is who you really and truly are. At the core of your heart, who you are, that's your integrity, right? The integrity of the upright will guide them, it says in Proverbs chapter 10. So what is the opposite of integrity? If our goal is an integrated life, 
centered around Jesus Christ himself. The opposite, we could say, is simply hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is to be a hypocrite. One of the greatest criticisms of Christian today. You, you talk to someone, man, you can be begging them to come to church. There's someone who's never been to church, and you're, you're trying to talk to them. They'll say this, man, all them Christians are hypocrites. I've heard it before. I've been, I beg people to come to church. I don't want to go there. All you people are hypocrites, right? It's, it's the greatest thing that we are accused of doing and living our lives. See, that word hypocrite, it comes from the Greek of hypocrites. And have you ever seen the, like when someone's doing a play, you know, you got the two masks, right? It's typical for people who are doing plays in Broadway, whatever. It's got the two masks. One has a smiley face. The other one has a frowny face, right? And so it's these two masks that they use for Greek plays. It's happy and sad. And it represents that there's a different person behind the mask. Whatever someone is wearing on the outside, you see this one thing, but on the inside, that person is different than that. That mask is inconsistent, maybe with who you are. It's fascinating in scripture. You realize when you notice, look look us up. This is your homework today, okay? This is your homework. You go home and look it up. You will notice that Jesus is actually harder on the hypocrites than he was on on the prostitutes and the adulterers. He was way harder on the hypocrites. Anytime he addressed the hypocrites, here's what he did. He came down on them hard. He came down on them really hard, not for just living the wrong way, but because the reason was they would claim to be right, but they were living the wrong way. Man, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 and 26, this is Jesus speaking. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, let me tell you right now, if Jesus calls you out and calls you a hypocrite, I'm telling you, that would cut deep. It would absolutely cut deep. And so he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. And what he's basically telling me is saying, yeah, you look good on the outside. You're wearing the robes. You got the tassels. You got the pointy hat. You're saying all the right words, man, but inside you are dirty. You are corrupt. Your heart is black. And then he goes on to say in verse 26, blind Pharisee. He's calling them blind now. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. He's saying, listen, guys, the condition of your heart stinks. You clean up that heart, then your outside's going to be good. I always told my kids, listen, what goes in your eyes goes into your brain, goes down to your heart, and you better believe it's going to come out of your mouth or in your life. It is. Man, if you are dirty on the inside, if you are living your life in the world, it's going to come out. You can tap dance a little bit. You can hide it a little bit. But eventually, you will be found out by the way you live. So in other words, he's telling you guys are putting on a show. You're acting just a certain way for people to see. But in the inside, you are full of greed. You are full of indulgence. And listen, it's not what you show on the outside church. It's what you are on the inside. It's the inside that truly matters to your heavenly father. What's inside the heart, church, is what matters to him. So what we want is we want an integrated life. We want Christ to direct and guide and empower every single area of our life. That's what we want. It's not compartmentalized. 
where you act different in different settings, right? Your life should be fully integrated, integrated around the truth, integrated around the glory, the love, and the power and the direction of Jesus Christ in who he is. <clears throat> so what is on the outside will direct, I'm sorry, what is on the inside will direct the outside. I heard a story one time about a, a, a guy who was a, a builder. He built homes, and he worked for a company. And the owner, you know, the owner of the company realized that, you know, this guy, he's getting ready to retire. And this guy was telling everybody, you ever known someone? Maybe you were like that. You know, they're, I got one year left. I'm out of here in a year. I get to retire. I get to live my life. I don't have to be on no time clock anymore. I got six months left, and I'm out. I got one month left. So this guy's telling all his friends as he comes down to one month, and the owner of the company comes up to the builder, and he goes, listen, you know what? You've been a great employee for 40 years, and I know you're looking forward to retiring, but man, I want you to just do one more favor for me. Will you build one more house for me? And the builder, he's like, man, you know I want to get out. He said, listen, do it for me this time. And so the builder felt obligated, and so he takes on this task, and man, he wants to bang this out in a month. He wants to get this house done quickly. And so on the outside, the house looks great, but on the inside, man, he was cutting corners. He was buying cheap materials. He was getting subpar, subcontractors to work on this house, and man, it was shoddy on the inside. And so the house was finally finished, and the owner of the company comes up to the builder. He goes, man, I am so excited Thank you so much for your 40 years. You know, your retirement's here. I'm so happy for what you did for us. And so we would like to give you this house as our gift to you for your hard work and effort for this company. Church, listen to me this morning. The builder recognized at that moment what we will all recognize one day. Church, we are building our own homes. We are. We are building our own homes. Every decision we make, every way that you live, everything that you say, everything that you do, you are building your own home. So think about that for a minute. You are building what it is that you're going to be enjoying and your reward in eternity. And church, whether you choose to be generous, think about this. That's up to you. Maybe you, you, you choose to be selfish in your relationship where it's all about you. It's all about what you want. It's all about what you need, right? What, whatever it is you do to cut corners in your life, whether you show honor, you build other people up. Remember, you're building your own house. Or you show dishonor and you tear people down. Remember, you're building your own house, whether you extend grace to other people or you judge people harshly. I want to remind you. Church, you're building your own house. Whether you tell the truth about what happened or you make up a story to benefit yourself, you are building your own house. Integrity truly matters. Parents, I want to tell you something. I'm going to single out all the parents for a minute here. Do you realize that you are building a legacy? Seriously, you are building a legacy. What happens in your home matters more than you know. What, what, the way that you raise your children, really and truly, it matters way more than you could ever know. You are building a legacy. I had someone come up to me one time and said, man, you, you're pretty hard on your kids. You do a lot for your kids, and, and you're always, like, in the mix with them. And he couldn't understand why. I told him, first of all, those three boys, they're going to be in charge of whatever nursing home I'm going to be in, and I want a nice one. <laughs> that's, the, that's the real deal right there. But second of all, this is my legacy, and I'm going to stand before God. 
and I'm going to give a full account. On the way that I raised those boys, I am going to have to stand before God and give a full account with what he entrusted me with and how I handled it. Church, it is so important that we understand. You know, the years of, that I've worked in the church, both volunteering and being in the ministry, and here's what I've seen. The fastest way for you to raise rebellious children, listen to me this morning, I'm being very serious here. The fastest way to raise rebellious kids is to claim one thing out in the world and you live another way at home. Think about this. The fastest way to turn your kids against God and the things of God is claim the things of God publicly, but you live far from the things of God in your private life. I want to remind you, you're building your own home. You're building your own home every day, every decision, every interaction that you have with people. You are building your own home. Church, we can't afford to have a compartmentalized life we're called to have an integrated life, driven by the grace, the truth, and the power, and the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we are called to. So this morning, I want to ask you this question. What's your integrity worth? What is your integrity worth? See, I believe many of us have a price. There's some people that are very strong. There's no price on anything in their life. That's fantastic. But I believe many people have a price. And there is a point in your life that some of us will compromise for something. We will compromise for something. So what would your actions, what would about your actions, church, what would your actions say your integrity is worth? What is it? Would you lie on a resume to get a job? I mean, just completely falsify it just so you can get a job, then your integrity is worth about $50,000 average. Would you, would you embezzle something at work? Then your integrity is worth whatever it is that you stole. Maybe it's $8. Maybe it's eight bucks because you always lie about the age of your kids so you can get the cheaper price. You're looking, I know he looks like he's 18, but that boy just started shaving early. He's 12, right? <laughs> just so you can get eight bucks off. I remember when I was a kid and we lived in Wellsville, we lived on 15th Street, and, and my parents would let us walk to Ann Superette uh, down in Wellsville. I think it's on 17th Street, I'm not sure. We would walk to Ann Superette, and uh, sometimes my dad would give us money. Sometimes I think we just went up there and hoped somebody would feel sorry for us and give us some candy. I don't know. But I remember going to Ann Superette that one time, and, and I didn't have any money, and I went in there, wandered around. There was some gum right there. And I stole it, stole a piece of gum, chewed it, walked home. My mom looked at me, where'd you get that gum? And how dumb you are as a kid. I found it on the ground, mom. <laughs> that means your kid's really got something wrong. If he's finding gum on the ground and picking it up and chewing it, right? And of course, she got to the bottom of it. And you know what my mom did? She took me to Ann Superette. And I went in there just sobbing and crying. I'd look that lady in the eye and tell her I stole that gum. I didn't ask her if she wanted it back because it was a little bit chewed up. But one of the greatest things that my mother did for me, one of the greatest examples of integrity, is she taught me that you had to own it. Church, if you have integrity, nothing else matters. Think about this for a minute. In Psalm 139, 
If you'll look at with Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, it says this, man, and this is one of those prayers. It's a powerful prayer. We just came off that sermon series. Man, I could have thrown this in there, but I'm going to give it to you today. No extra charge. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Here's David. He's calling out to God. He's saying, I want you to rip me open. I want you to search my heart. I want you to find out what's in there, and I want you to point it out to me. In verse 24, he says this, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Man, he's calling upon God. He's saying, search my heart, God. You show me the garbage that I might have in there. You show me the things that I need to turn over to you. Man, if there is any offensive way, God, you point it out to me so that I can be led into the way that is everlasting. You know, search my heart, oh God. Lord, show me if there's any place that I am compartmentalized. Is there anywhere that I'm not integrated around the truth and the goodness of Jesus Christ? Search my heart, oh God. You know, and this is difficult to pray that prayer, church. You know why? Because the Bible tells us. This is the Bible. This ain't Mark Blakely. The Bible tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart is deceitful above everything else. How many times you, man, I, I got something in my heart. Well, you better check that to make sure. Because your heart can lie to you. Your heart can convince you of things that aren't true. Search my heart. I had a person ask me one time, how can I know if what's in my heart honors God? You compare it to Scripture, I promise you, you will find the answer in there, whether it's right or wrong. You will find that. Search my heart, oh God, this is difficult because it says it is deceitful. The heart is deceitful above all things. And at times, it's very difficult for us to see the truth, isn't it? Because our heart desires things that are not of the Lord, and we will compromise. We will also twist things around to try to make it fit, saying, well, it's okay if I do it because of this. Because our heart lies to us all the time. Church, I ask you today, is there any area of your life that you've been compartmentalizing. Maybe this morning the Holy Spirit is prompting you to bring it to God. You recognize that you got some junk in there. You know, and here are some areas, if you don't know what this looks like, man, here's some areas that I can encourage you to examine. Maybe the first thing is this, where are you the most offensive? For me personally, the areas I'm most offensive about myself usually reveals to where I'm the most vulnerable where I'm the most vulnerable. So where are you the most offensive, church? The second thing is this. What don't you want other people to know? You want to search that heart? What is it that you don't want other people to know? What is it that you are hiding in your private life that you don't want anyone else to know about? And the third thing is this. Where do you criticize others? Generally, church, the areas we criticize the hardest are often the areas that we are the weakest. We're trying to cover it up. Search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. See if there is any offensive way in me. See if there's anywhere, Lord, that needs to be brought to your attention. So what do you do when God shows you? What do you do when God points out to you that what you do on the outside is very different from what you claim to be? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning to acknowledge any area. And if you're praying that prayer, search me, oh God. 
what you do is you pray that and then you listen. You pray it and you listen. You ask him to do a mighty work in you. See, we have to acknowledge the areas where our actions are inconsistent with what God's word teaches. We truly have to do that. We have to really focus in on that. What am I doing? These things I'm doing in my life, does it line up to what my heavenly father teaches? Maybe you talk really bad about other people. Maybe one of those people, you're always talking bad about everyone else just so you can feel better about yourself. That's a real thing. Maybe you gossip. Maybe you're someone who struggles with gossip, and then you try to make it sound spiritual. Oh, we're praying for Jenny today. She needs Jesus. Let me tell you why, by the way. You cover up your gossip with a prayer. Let me tell you what Jenny did. Church, maybe it's on your taxes. You cheat on them. Maybe you claim a spiritual life, but you got a secret sin hidden. I want to encourage you again today to pray that prayer. Search my heart, oh God. Test me, God, if there's anything offensive to you in my life. And when he shows you something, you know what you do with it, church? You confess it to him. You handle it. Isn't it funny when someone comes up and says, yeah, here's what you do. Man, we don't like it, do we? You know, if Mary comes up to me and says, well, let me tell you, you always do this. I'm like, well, here's what you always do. Because we don't like it, do we? We don't like to be confronted. Man, some of us, when God confronts us with the sin in our lives, you know what we do? Man, we take off running like we're running a marathon and we're in first place. And we don't want no one to catch us. Test my heart, oh God. When he shows you something, you confess it to him. Let him cleanse you. Let him forgive you as he does. The Bible tells us very plain and simple. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just and he forgives you of all your sins and he cleanses you from all the unrighteousness. That's what he does when you bring it to him. Church, let him change you. And it's hard to do right sometimes, isn't it? It really is. Sometimes it's hard to do the right things. It can be very, very challenging. There are times when, when you try to have the courage to do the right thing, but you know that it's going to come at a cost. You know that it's going to be challenging. Maybe today there's people sitting right here in this church right now. The Holy Spirit is calling you out. And you know that you have to do the right thing. But man, it's challenging. It's going to come at a cost. You're going to have to face it. You're going to have to struggle through it. Man, what if people find out about it? Here's what you have to do. We have to tell ourselves this. With God's help, I'm going to do what is right. And I'm going to trust God with the results. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what's right. With God's help, I'm going to do what is right, and then I'm going to fully trust him for the results. See, church, integrity. Integrity is easier to keep than it is to recover. It really is. It's way easier to keep it than it is to recover it. So as I get ready to wrap this service up, and I call the praise team up here this morning. I want to remind you what it says in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, it says this to us. Search me, God. Know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way that's everlasting. How many of you can pray that prayer this morning?
How many of you understand the importance of the virtue of integrity? Remember, you're building your own house, church. Don't be cutting corners. Don't be pushing things off to the side. See, isn't it tragic that we live in a world that is more shocked by integrity than the lack of it? So in the very same way, though, think about this. God shocked the world, didn't he? Completely shocked the world because while we were still sinners, the Bible makes it very clear, while we were still sinners, God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Do you realize what, that while they were cursing Jesus as he was hanging on the cross and they were throwing insults and cursing at him, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. very same way that you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, we should also shock the world with love, with generosity, with grace, church, with integrity. So the world might look at us and they might say, you know, I actually don't believe what they believe, but man, they sure believe and you can see it in the way that they give. Man, they sure do believe, and you can see it in the way that they love. Man, they sure do believe, and you can see it in the way that they serve. And maybe, church, just maybe, that might drive them to Jesus Christ himself. You are a representative. You are an ambassador to your heavenly Father. The things that we do, the life that we live, should point the rest of this world to Jesus Christ. And your integrity truly matters. And so with God's help, church, we can do what's right with God's help. Maybe this morning somebody needs to hear that. The Holy Spirit's just calling you out big time today, man. This message stomped on your toes, punched you in the gut, slapped you in the face. It could be all those things, whatever you want to call it. But listen, man, it's hitting you hard, and you're realizing right now that, man, God is calling you out, and he's telling you that you need to be different Maybe, just maybe, there's somebody sitting here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ. You've been coming to church for a while. You've been doing your thing. Every once in a while, I'll do something nice. I'll get a little bit of money to the homeless person. I'll help an elderly lady at Walmart. Man, I'm doing good, right? But it's so much more than that. It's about living your life for Jesus Christ. That you love like him. That you are generous like him. That you give grace like him. Church, that's us. That's what we are called to. And so this morning, if you're living your life outside of Christ and you feel that draw, man, I'm telling you, it's not that many steps to come up front. We got people up here to pray with you. Man, if you want to pray by yourself and you just want to throw it all to God and you want to handle it that way, man, you come up, we won't even bug you. But the fact is this, that you give it to him. And with God's help, you can do what's right. So if that's for you, I want to encourage you to come up. The rest of you believers who are here today, are you walking with integrity? I'm talking about is your life integrated with Jesus Christ in the things that he has called you to? Are you integrated with him? That means you look the same all the way around. No matter what your setting is, this is the same guy no matter what. So church, if you've fallen off that path, today is the day to get back on it and to live the life that God has called you to. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing.
But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.